We just open our hands. Lord Jesus, we come and we stand upon that rock. Our Lord, our Savior, our eternal one, Jesus Christ. And today we want to submit ourselves even more fully to you, to come under your authority and be oriented to your heart. Lord, I pray that as your word is declared today, in truth and in life, that it would come and be living and active in our hearts to bring transformation for your glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. We're doing a series entitled Praxis, which means function, and it's out of Romans 12, and the function gifts. And uh, today, we're going to be looking at uh, the function of the teacher. And uh, when I knew that this was coming along, uh, I knew the person that would be able to speak to this out of her own motivational gifting and out of her heart. So, would you please join me? And welcoming my wife. Well, I am very delighted to be able to come and share with you. And it is true that one of my main motivational gifts is teaching. So when I went away to college, as Jim said way, way back, at the time, the, the, uh, my heart's desire was to become a teacher. But the market was so flooded with teachers that um, I was going to be a math teacher, for those of you. Sorry, but that's what I like to do. Uh, so... Um, but the market was so flooded that my advisors in college suggested that I look into something else. So that's when I went into the business school. And at that time, PCs had not been invented yet. So when I got my degree in computers, we were still doing hole-punching cards and card readers and all that fun stuff. I'm dating myself. But um, anyway, but for me, the logic, I, I took my first computer class because you were required as a business major to take. And I went, oh! this is like math, this is cool, this is logic. And that's how I ended up doing things with computers. But if you ask me anything about a computer now, I am a dinosaur, and I would not be very helpful. But if you ask me anything about logic and math, I probably could help you. <laughs> so, okay. So today, as Jim said, um, I'm going to be sharing with you about the, uh, the gifting of teaching. But before I do that, I just want to do a very quick review for those of you who this might be your first time here. So we are doing this series on praxis, the word meaning function. And I'm not used to using these deals, but I'll work. So just to review, this is one of the key scriptures that we had from Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay. So um, another scripture, um, and I think this was mentioned... uh, possibly last week, I can't remember, um, that goes along with this as well, is this passage in Ephesians that I want us to read again. Now, the passage in Ephesians covers, um, when we were talking about gifts, which is what this series is all about, and we're talking about motivational gifts, that each of us has one, that God has given each of you one, possibly combinations 
Um, but usually we have one that's our strong suit. Um, this scriptures that I'm going to have us look at real briefly um, actually helps us understand the teaching gift. And the teaching gift also falls under what are called the ministerial gifts. So we see it twice. So we've seen this scripture before talked about. From him, the whole body joined together by each supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does, it work, does its work. So the encouragement for us today as we talk about this gift is to realize um, this is one of the gifts, the teaching gift, that gets a bad rap in the sense that everyone says, I can't do that. That's not my gift. And so when volunteers are asked to maybe teach a Sunday school class, to teach children's church, or to do other things, sometimes they go, oh, that's not my gift. Phew, I don't have to do that. Um, the reminder is that, that we are, and we'll see this some more in the scripture, that we are all called to all of these gifts. And, um, and I'm hoping to demystify the gift, the teaching gift, so that maybe you're not afraid to give it a try, because you might be surprised to find that maybe it is, in fact, your gift. And we'll talk about that some more. So just to review the ones that we've already covered, we talked about the prophet, and that was the eye of the body. And um, they receive and declare the will of God. They're very perceptive of what's going on in the spiritual realm and are good listeners to what God is doing. Then we talked about last week was the servant. That's the hands of the body and that they render practical services to others. Um, and so today we're going to talk about the teacher, which is the mind of the body. Now, this does not mean if you do not have this gift, you do not have a mind, <laughs> obviously. Uh, um, but in our functioning, the mind researches and communicates the truth. Okay? So um, that's... That sounds really big, and it sounds kind of heavy. And when I first was looking and doing some research on this topic, I went, oh, maybe this isn't me, because, you know, maybe I don't. Um, but, but we're going to break that down, those words, into what does that really mean to research and communicate the truth. So I want us to look, though, um, at the verses that come in Ephesians right before uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and through 15. And again, this is referencing the ministerial gifts, which one of them is teaching. This particular scripture gives the mandate or the goal of what teachers do. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and, the, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. So when we look at the teacher, the first, the purpose of a teacher is to speak the truth in love so we grow to full maturity in Christ. Those are big words. First of all, noticing that they speak the truth. If you are a teacher, you speak. It does not necessarily, though, mean that you speak like I am to you today. 
And we'll talk about that some more in just a minute, too, because there's lots of ways that we speak that do not necessarily involve our voice. But it can be a big part of it. To speak the truth in love. We speak in love. The, the purpose of this teaching is not to batter and not to discourage and not to harm, but it's in love that we do this so that we grow to full maturity in Christ. So what does that mean, to grow to full maturity in Christ? The teacher helps us become more and more full of Christ um, as they dig into the word of God and as they share the word of God with us, um, as they research all about Christ and about the truth and his likeness, we continue to grow. We get filled up more and more full of Christ so that we can reflect him and his glory. Not so we reflect the teacher or what the teacher thinks, but we reflect what God thinks and who God is. And, and so this happens more and more in our individual bodies, but also corporately in the capital B body, the body of Christ. Okay? All right. So at the foundation then, we said a, a, a teacher is that they research. Okay? And, um, and so what are they researching? They are researching the truth. And we're going to talk about the truth today. Um, the truth, first of all, God's word. They have a hunger for God's word. And they want to see that word told and, and taught and learned, okay? Um, so the first verse that we wanted to look at that has to do, of course, we're going to take them all from the word of God, is Colossians 3.16, which I think was in your bulletin. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your heart. This scripture tells us what we're supposed to teach and admonish, which means to correct things that are incorrect, um, but to do that. And, and the way that it touches on just about everything that we do in our life. So this scripture tells us that our growth in understanding and having relationships with one another um, is foundational to the truth, understanding that, our, that knowing the truth is foundational to our relationships with God and with, and with each other, okay? So that it, it's, it's not there just we have this head knowledge about who God is, but it's to infect our whole body, infect our whole physical body and our whole body with the richness of Christ, okay? And that's what we do in, with his word. The second scripture that I wanted us to look at, and again, these are just foundational things about the teacher and about those who hunger after the truth, after the word of God, is there's a scripture, and we're all familiar with the scripture that's in the middle of this passage. So as I read it from Psalms 119, you'll recognize one part more than others. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. Does some part of that sound familiar to most of you? Yeah. But snuck in there 
is that I gain my understanding from your precepts. In other words, I gain my understanding from your laws and your, and where are those? In God's word. I gain my understanding. Um, and then I take an oath. Well, and also it says I hate every wrong path. Teachers can be kind of black and white. We talked about this a little bit with the, pro the prophetic can be kind of black and white. Well, so can teachers. There's a right answer, and there's a wrong answer. And you want your students to get the right answer, OK? And um, so I, it's a very strong word. But I gain my understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Um, our love for the word of God and our love for the truth about God is so strong that we hate when that is corrupted, OK? We hate when that is corrupted. I also, it says in the scripture, your, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God's word is the word that directs my behaviors. Okay, I have taken an oath and I confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. The love for the word of God is so strong the, um, that the truth guides our behavior and who we become. Okay? Another scripture, 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 17a. I put these all up here because I'm using a lot of scripture. Surprise, surprise. Um, and I didn't want you to have to keep flipping so much. All right, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Another strong word in there. Uh, <laughs> lots of strong words in there. Um, but as a teacher, teachers need to know they're not there to quarrel over words. Okay? That is not what God has called them to do. Okay? They, um, and they do not need, they are to study and to understand the truth of God so that they are considered a workman. They have worked with God's word, God's truths, and they understand it, and they don't have to be ashamed of what they know. Okay? But at the same time, God's word is so strong, God's word does not have to be quarreled about. Okay, God's words. And it's not about quarreling words. All right? Truth is not a weapon. Okay? The truth is not a weapon. So as a teacher, we have, a teacher remembers that. So we need to learn to correctly handle it and to not be ashamed. It's powerful. It's a two-edged sword. Um, it does pierce, and it does poke, and it does bug, and it does bother. Okay? But we need to learn how to rightly handle it. Okay? And the last scripture in this part is that is from 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of, that God provides so that in all things God will be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, though I'm talking about teachers, 
This applies, all the things that I've said so far apply to all the gifts, whatever your gift God has given to you. But this is important for teachers to understand, too, that whose words, whose truth is this? Anyway, whose truth or words is it? It's God's. So guess who gets to own it? And guess, yes, and who gets the glory for it? God does. Okay? Teachers can, this gifting, sometimes the tendency can get, as in any gifting, we get full of ourselves instead of full of God. And we can get full of, wow, I'm so good at this. Okay? And, but, ooh, be very, very careful. Because who gets the glory? God does. It's his teaching. It's his words. He gets the glory. Okay? All right. So, having said all that, I just want to review. Before we get to our wonderful example of a teacher that we have today, um, I do want to talk about two things, two other um, principles, if you want to call them that, about the gifts that we want to remember, or guiding principles to remember. The first one, and we should remember this, is that we're stewards. We don't own these gifts. We've been given them. We didn't pick them. God gave them to us. They're not, we've talked about they're not merit badges. We don't get to collect them and say, look, look at me. Okay, we're stewards, so we're accountable to God for them. Teachers. Um, like I said, the biggest, probably the biggest hindrance to teachers is fear. What are they, and what are people going to think? If I get up here and I start telling you stuff, you start staring at me, you start looking at me, what are you going to think of me? Okay, that can be a hindrance. The fear of, do I have it right? Do I have the truth? Have I got this straight? All those things can stop and block us. You can remember, who gave you the gift? God did. And God wants you to use it. If you look, there's the scripture. We're not going to go there right now, but in Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, there's the, um, the uh, Jesus was teaching, actually, about the gifts and about the talents, the ten talents, and how God gives it to us so we can use it and give it away. Don't stuff it. This is where the second principle can be very helpful here, too. If you're not sure, gifts are discovered as you practice them. Okay? So, yeah, I don't know how I can say this enough, but um, we're all going to have opportunities to exercise the muscles of our gifts and to try things out. There are so many opportunities right here within this body. There are so many opportunities within the world. Don't let fear stop you. Try it. You might be surprised by what you find out. Um, get a mentor. Have somebody who will come alongside you. I can guarantee you the first opportunities that you will have maybe to teach in a formal setting will not be by yourself. Maybe it'll be with somebody else right alongside you. But I have to tell you, all of you are teachers every single day of your life. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So, and all of you can do this, okay? Not all of you are called to teach, like I'm doing right now, and not, but we're all called to do it in some capacity. And, and so if you're feeling the nudge, if, try it, okay? 
it's, it's, it's well worth it because, again, God's holding us accountable. And it's not like he has this big stick over you saying, if you don't do it, but it's because he knows that when you do the giftings that he's given you, it brings out who you really are, okay? And you become fully who God has called you to be. You will have more joy, your life. You will feel more fulfilled. You'll have more energy, <laughs> surprisingly. Sometimes, you know, some of you have heard that I do, um, when Jim is teaching the adults the alpha course, I do the, uh, what do we call them? The sprouts, the alpha sprouts in the back. And it can be very, very interesting. Um, because it's a group of kiddos. Some of them have only been in the country a few months, don't speak a whole lot of English. Some of them know more English than they let on, and they start having conversations between themselves, and, you know, and you're wondering what's happening. But I have to tell you, um, while I'm doing that, I am so full of energy. Even though I know that the next morning I have to head to school, I am so <laughs> there's this amazing thing that happens. When you function in what you're supposed to be, you come alive. Okay, to fully who God has called you to be. Okay, enough said? All right, here we go. So who's our example going to be for today? Anybody have a guess? Who's going to be our example of a teacher from the scriptures? Who do you think? Who? From the scripture. Ah, that's one guess. Who, I didn't hear it. What's another one? Jesus. Ding, 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 ding. I don't have any prize, but, but good, good. And she didn't have any prompting ahead of time. Okay, it's very interesting because um, actually, if you think about it, um, when Mary Magdalene, after Jesus um, rose and she met him in the garden, what does she call him? Yeah, Rabunai, which means teacher. Those were her first words to him when she recognized him. She recognized him as teacher. So we are going to look at Jesus, who is the teacher. And, this, and so the scriptures, again, Jesus tells us himself, when we talk about the truth and knowing the truth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? So, it makes, so we get double bonus here. We get to look at the truth some more, and we get to look at an example of someone who teaches the truth. Okay? We're going to look at Jesus. Now, the familiar story that we're going to look at from the scriptures is actually there's Three examples of where Jesus does this. I don't know for sure. I didn't do enough research to make sure if all of these are the same event. I have a feeling they're not. Um, they all do involve food, which doesn't surprise me. How much does all of what we do involves food? Um, but anyway, there's three different scriptures, um, and I'm just going to read one. It's found in Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. That's not where I'm going to read from, though. I'm going to look in Luke chapter 10, verses 10 through 17. And it's also in John 6, verses 1 through 13, if you want to go there. Okay. This is the familiar story of Jesus feeding lots of people. Okay. And here we're going to see some excellent examples of what a teacher does. Okay. So starting in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. When the apostles returned, okay, they reported to Jesus what they had done. And then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. 
Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. And he replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all of them, about 5,000 men were there, which means there was a lot more because they only counted the men, but there were others. Um, but he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Familiar scripture that I'm sure many of you have heard that story. If you look in John, um, uh, he will. the scripture is very similar, except for he will ask a question of them. Well, what have you got? You know, what have we got to, to feed them with? Um, but so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to reference some of the things that Jesus does here and other things that you're very familiar with what he does. Well, one thing a teacher does, which... Um, I actually love to do a lot, is they use props. So I have some props today to show us what a teacher does. So I'm going to pull those out. And of course I have them in a black and white bag. Teachers are black and white thinkers. Okay, here we go. All right, so my first prop is a clock. Okay, now... Unlike my husband, I can't do those, you know, everything starts with a C or everything starts with an S. But I have my own cute little thing I did, which hopefully you'll enjoy. Okay, so here we go. These are where those illustrations are. The first letter is the letter T. Teaching takes time. Okay, when we look at this example for Jesus, he had been preaching and teaching to the people. First of all, he had pulled the disciples aside, it said, and they were going to go off by themselves after he'd already done a bunch of stuff but, and had already been teaching and preaching and spending time doing that. But what happened? The people followed them, and they wanted more teaching. They wanted to know more. Okay? So, and at that point, it tells us in the scripture, it tells us in um, uh, there that he had brought them aside so that they could have time alone. But the people wanted to be taught more. First thing you have to understand about teaching is that you don't always, and, and Jesus had been at it all day, but now he has another opportunity to teach. Sometimes you're maybe not your freshest when your opportunity to teach is going to happen. Here, Jesus had been at it all day, and yet here was another opportunity, and he takes that opportunity to teach his disciples as well as those around him who are watching. Um, so teaching takes time because, you, and how many of you know that you all as teachers, some of your most teachable moments with people, especially kiddos, if you're a parent, are not necessarily when you have planned to teach them something, okay? So it takes time and, um, let's get that right side up here. I'll leave my clock right there. Uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because I don't want you guys to see how much time is left. <laughs> Never mind. 
I'll put it right there. <laughs> There's the clock. Okay. Um, it also tells us in Scripture that you need to always be prepared to give an answer. That takes time. Okay? That takes time sitting in God's Word, soaking in God's Word, hearing God's Word, talking to God, relating to God, listening to God. That takes time. We need to all be dedicated to taking time to do that. Um, and sometimes someone may come to you with a question or um, an opportunity for you to teach where you might not know the answer yet. You can say, wait, I need time to look at this, and can we get together at this other time and talk about it? Okay, so Jesus, um, and Jesus did this. He took time away. He went away and took time to be alone with the Father, um, and we need to do the same thing. Also, we need to remember that sometimes when, uh, when this time, when the opportunities to teach, sometimes you teach, again, not when you're speaking, and your life teaches other people, okay? All right. All right. E, maybe you're catching on to where I'm going with this. E stands for educate, and I added a few other E's. Teachers educate with energy and enthusiasm, okay? They're excited about what they have to share. They get excited about the Word of God. They get excited about the life of Jesus. Jesus was very enthusiastic. He was very, another word would be passionate. He was very passionate about educating. But I want to define what educate means, because sometimes we have a little confusion on what that means. To educate, the definition means one who provides learners with knowledge and insight, causing them to know and understand. First of all, teachers have to have learners. Jesus, you know, it doesn't do anything. What's the point? If, okay, so teachers have to have learners. Another word for a learner in the Bible would be a disciple. Okay, Jesus had his disciples who followed him. You and I all have learners. We have people who are watching us, who are looking at us, who are looking to us for answers, who are looking to us for um, patterns to follow. We all have learners in our life, okay? But you don't only just have people who follow you. There's a purpose in these people following you, okay? Because you want them to gain knowledge, information in the head, in the heart. We want them to gain knowledge and insight. Insight comes from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, okay? So we don't want it just to be this head knowledge. We want it to be guided and led by God, causing them to know but also to understand. What happens, the difference between knowing something and understanding is what you do with what you know. Understanding is the doing part, okay? So a teacher, a good teacher, doesn't just fill you with head knowledge. They inspire you in, to do something with it, to understand, okay? All right? Okay. And Jesus for sure did that with his disciples. His goal was not to fill their heads full of knowledge. And even here in this example where he is working with them, and he used props, loaves and fishes, and all kinds of stuff, okay? He, his purpose was not just to fill them with the head knowledge. He knew, he knew that his learners needed this information about the power of God and about the kingdom of God. And there was a purpose in him doing that, okay? So remembering, we all have learners. We all have people who are following us. So what letter do you think is coming next? Oh, beautiful. 
Okay, hey, you've caught on. Teachers, oh, so, oh, I forgot. Educate, I did bring a prop, which is pretty lame, but I couldn't think of anything else. I brought an apple because we always, give, for some reason, think teachers. I do personally like apples, but I'm not really sure. Okay, so here's my prop for activate. Does anybody know what this is? It is a, well, we use it for roasting marshmallows. <laughs> Making s'mores. But you're right, I heard poker. It really is. It's a poker. Okay. Teachers are pokers. Okay. <laughs> I like this. Oh, I shouldn't, there's no kids in the room, are there? <laughs> yes, sword fight. No. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. So, what teachers do is they activate learning. Okay. They activate them, they poke them, they inquire, they ask questions. Jesus asked his disciples a lot of questions, okay? He wasn't afraid of questions, but he asked a lot of questions, okay? And the point of asking the questions, do you think Jesus didn't know the answer? No. It was to engage, engage them, to get them to think, and to discover what they already knew inside, right? So, uh, and to help them to get involved in the learning. It's pretty boring if you're just sitting there, which I hope it's not too boring right now, but if you're just sitting there and it's all about me, blah, 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 to you, okay? That's not really teaching. Teaching is engaging and getting you to own knowledge and to, and to want to do something with it. So for the disciples, when they said, oh, we can't be, well, he asked them, what have we got? Okay? He wanted them to look for what they already had. When you're teaching math, you do this. I won't give you a math lesson right now. But you start with, <laughs> sure, I'm sure you're really sad about that. But um, you start with what do they already know? That's your foundation to build to the next thing, to teach the next thing. You start with what you already know. So a good teacher asks questions to pull out, and, and, it, and students become surprised. Followers, disciples become surprised by what they've already known from their own life. Where have you seen God? Where is God? Where are you already seeing at him in your life when you're asking, where is God? Well, where have you seen him? Okay? Jesus asked questions because he wanted them to get going, and he wanted them to, to, to participate in what was happening. He also activated them by practically saying, okay, set these people up in groups of 12, and he started them in that, uh, not groups of, right? Sorry, groups of 50. Where are the 12, 12 baskets left over? Okay, so um, teachers are also not afraid of making mistakes. Sometimes they won't admit it, but they're not afraid. Okay, the interesting thing, just a side note here, somebody that you might never think of as an example of a teacher in the Bible, um, actually a lot of scholarly people believe that a certain person who after Jesus had been resurrected, really didn't necessarily believe that this was Jesus, but he had a lot of questions before he was sure that he had the truth. You know who I'm talking about? Thomas, Thomas exactly. Doubting Thomas was probably a very good teacher because he didn't just accept things at face value. He asked questions. He was digging for the truth. And that's what a good teacher does, digs for the truth. Okay. All right. Two more. So our next letter is C. Okay. Oh, I'm going to love this one. I probably might have to turn my microphone off. Okay. 
see. All right, teachers are like coaches. Hold on, hold your ears. I love this. I just got this yesterday, so I'm really <laughs> Okay. Power, there's power in that. No, okay. So teachers are like coaches, okay? What does a coach do? A coach is one who corrects and cheerleads with compassion. Jesus did not look at his disciples and go, oh, you big dummies. You've got God right in front of you. Why are you whining? Why are you thinking we can't afford this? You know, why are you? He didn't do that. No. He did correct them, but gently and with compassion. So Jesus doesn't yell. He doesn't say, you know, he, he, you know, why can't you get this? Instead, he demonstrates what you're supposed to do. That's what a good coach does. Shows you the correct form of how to, how to swing the bat or how to do whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. So Jesus does that. He demonstrates. A good teacher demonstrates, okay, what is the way to go, where, you know. Again, your life teaches people a lot of things, okay. Um, um, so Jesus took the loaves. And what did he do with them? He gave thanks. He thanked God for what was right there in front of them. Then he lifted up to God, he prayed, he broke it, and then he began the process. Um, and he had the disciples, he handed them to the disciples and, and said, you go now and do this. A good coach doesn't stand, if you're trying to teach, it was baseball season now, finally. Um, so the good coach who's teaching you how to bat doesn't stand there over you the whole time, holding the bat, going, keep, do this, do, you know. They give you the bat, and they say, do it, try it, try it, okay? So that's what a good teacher does. A good teacher comes alongside, um, cheers you on, corrects your stance when you got it wrong, but then gives you the opportunity to do it, okay, to go and do it, okay? And Jesus did that all the time, and he told his disciples, you're going to do way more than I'm going to do, okay? And he knew that, so he wanted to prepare them for that. As a teacher, you want your learners to go further than you, okay? That's your goal. You're not just filling them with knowledge. You're, you're spurring them on to go further than you. You're their big cheerleader so that they can go on and keep going. And you're always doing that with love. And that's hard sometimes because the temptation can be there to be going, why can't you get this? Okay, but a good teacher will patiently, okay, listen to what God is saying and teach what God is saying, okay? And he didn't just do it once, because then he, that says he took the loaves, and then he did it again with the fishes, and he demonstrated again, okay? He repeated things so that they would understand. Okay. All right, so our last letter is the letter H. What did I bring? Did I bring something? Oh, I didn't bring anything for this one. Okay, so I couldn't think of anything. Okay. The letter H. Teachers help us to grow, and they hold us in prayer. Okay. The lessons that Jesus taught had a purpose. As a teacher, he had a purpose in mind, and it was to help his disciples, to show everyone the way, the truth, the life. There was a purpose in those things. And this is how he helped them. Again, knowing that they would go further, knowing that he wasn't always going to be there to hold their hand. Okay, and, and knowing 
that they could stand, that he was giving them understanding so that they could have knowledge, so that they could stand up against the enemy, okay? That they would own it, and so that they could do these greater things. And over and over and over the scripture, you can find many, many scriptures where he prayed, and he's always praying, but he prayed specifically for them, that they would be able to be united, that they would stand firm, that they wouldn't lose their faith, that they would be bold. Um, over and over again, a good teacher is always praying for their students, always praying for those that follow. You as a parent, you are a teacher. You are a teacher to your children. It tells you this in scripture. And I mean, I could have gone on with all kinds of scriptures about teachers. Train up your child in the way they should go. Okay? Part of every calling of every parent is to be praying for your kiddos. Okay, that's probably your greatest gift that you can give them as a teacher. But then you're going to do all these other things. You're going to spend time with them, take time with them to do that. You're going to be teaching them things that you want, not just as head knowledge, but you want to become part of who they are in their life. You're going to be poking them and prodding them with, uh, and, and, and uh, hanging out some carrots to dangle on, to encourage them to go in the direction that they need to go. You're going to be coaching them. You're going to be correcting them. Um, and encouraging them, and you are definitely going to be helping them. You, as the scripture talks about um, older men teaching younger men, um, older women teaching younger women, we're all in this room an older woman or an older man, no matter how old you are. If you're 12, you are an older man to someone else. Um, we're all younger. There's somebody here. Well, there might be a couple of us who are the oldest in the room, but <laughs> But I'm, I bet you could find somebody older than you. But in also, that's not necessarily always meaning chronologically. That can be meaning, it can also be meaning um, spiritually as far as our maturing and where you're at. And so we can all have opportunities. There's so many opportunities. So here is my invitation to you. And then I'll get back. Um, here's our invitation then. First of all, we all can take time to study and share what God has taught us. Big or small, we can all do that. Second of all, we all have learners who want to follow us. Again, no matter if you're 12 years old, there's somebody who wants to follow you. We all ask questions. It's a great thing to have as a teacher, ask questions. We all can demonstrate our wisdom by our character and our lives and how we live our lives. And last of all, we can all pray. I want to leave you with one last scripture before Jim comes up. And that is a very familiar scripture that we often look at, but I don't know if you've ever looked at it from this one key word that's in there. And it's from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And let me see if this thing works. No, it doesn't work on here. And what's that next word? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So if God prompts you, if you're exploring whether this is your gift, remember, we all have this gift to some degree, but for those of us that God might be calling to step into this as your motivational gift or discover, remember that God goes with you. God is with me right here as I'm standing here talking to you. Okay? So it's not just me. Okay? And it won't be just you. As we told you when we began this series, this isn't simply, and Annette, of course, reinforced that today. This isn't just about giving you a lot of information. That was great information. 
we're really looking for activation. And so as we have done each week, we're going to do again this morning. And you may be still discovering. You may not know. It's okay. And some of you have already told me, I feel like I need to stand every week because, you know, I mean, there's a bit of all of this in, of these gifts in all of us. But if you're aware or you sense that perhaps this is your motivational gift, is a gift of teaching, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. If you sense that this is your motivational gift, is teaching, stand. If you're a teacher, all right. No pointing. <laughs> All right. Your motivational gift as a teacher. Okay, now, would like others to reach out. You're nearby somebody. Come on. This is activation now. So you might actually have to move. You might have to get out of your seat. There's a lot of folks here. Come on. Find and put a hand on somebody. Maybe I'm not being clear. All right. Come on. Come and stand next to alongside of, come alongside of to encourage and to hold up today. Come on. Jesus, we are asking right now that you, oh God, would take and activate, Lord God, these gifts, this particular unique gift that you have given as a motivational gift to these friends here standing before you right now. Jesus, I pray that you would come alongside right now and that you would lift up and encourage, Lord God, that you would begin to activate, that, Lord, you would stimulate this gifting, God. Lord, there is a world. We are called to be a house of prayer for all nations. We are sent to make disciples of all nations, and a part of that is teaching. So, God, enable those that you have called as teachers to teach Lord, whatever setting they're in, whatever situation, those that are counseling, those that are are doing in classroom settings, those that are parenting, those that are simply living their lives before others in a way, God, that, that communicates, God, would you come and release your life through them, Jesus, today. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Let that way and truth and life come forth in Jesus' name, Lord God. And Lord, upon this house, may you lift up a teaching gift that we might go forth, Lord, revealing the reality of who you are to the world around us. Jesus, come, activate that within us as a body, I pray. In Jesus' name, let's stand together. Come on, as we close, we're going to sing this song and I'll give a benediction. Let's sing it together as our prayer. Jesus, thank you. You really are the best. You are the best. You are the best. You are the best. Jesus, and now may you be filled with the best. May you be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go today with the banner 
of his favor and goodness over your life. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that his love and mercy will chase you down every day of your life for him to receive all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Share God's love with one another. Greet one another. God bless you. Go in his goodness and grace.